Alright. Here it is. Again. And it's called. I believe that the music I heard is a killer. It's a killer of hope. It's a killer of spirit. Punk rock. It's about three chords. Four if you were looking. And Devo plays for Muffy's party. So I've got a question for you. Yeah, lay it on me. All right. Well, being somebody who's been in a band, would you say that relationships between bandmates could be bad for the band itself? Um, I, uh, well, I didn't, didn't have too much experience with that sort of dynamic. I mean, there was a little bit going on, but I think that it's a double-edged sword. I mean, most famously, um, Fleetwood Mac did its most popular album while everyone was hating everyone else because they were cheating on each other and and all of that. Um, but then they're, you know, but then that makes everybody miserable. So it's inspiring, but yet at the same time, they usually end up breaking up afterwards. So, I don't right. Know. Well, e either way you think of it. Um, this band for for this this upcoming episode, uh, the couple involved really kept the band together for as long as they've been together. In fact, they're still together. That's right. So you're, we're gonna... you're talking about Deborah Harry and Christine of Blondie. I am indeed of Blondie. Okay, let's dive into it. All right. Well, I'm Rob. I'm Joseph, and this is Deep Dive and Deep Cuts: The History of Punk post-punk and new wave 1976 to 1986 we are talking about blondie and our very first deep dive so a little bit of irony here um that blondie is our first deep dive because our deep dive well the deep dive is we're going to spend an hour talking about blondie the deep cuts is typically we talk about songs that maybe people aren't as familiar with the the non-singles right. well blondie is a singles band um and so just just <laughs> at the very top here i i just got to get this out into the open i love uh -huh. blondie i'm gonna say it several okay. times i love blondie i love blondie i love blondie i i think that if there's one if I had to pick one new wave band that was sort of the quintessential singles new wave band, it's got to be Blondie, you know, because Blondie has. So if you think about a perfect 10 for a song, like a song where everything falls into place, it's like the best possible version of that idea for the song. Blondie has a whole bunch of them, but Typically, uh, like for a really good band, they'll have one or two tens, like a Roxanne or a Rock Lobster or a Whippet or a Sweet Dreams Are Made of These. Right, right. They'll have like one or two or three tens. They'll have some nines. They'll have some eights. They'll have a lot of sevens and a lot of sixes and a lot of fives. A couple of threes, <laughs> maybe one, right? Blondie has yeah. ten, 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 ten. Nine, eight, seven, seven, five, 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 four, 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 three, 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 two, 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 one, <laughs> one, 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 one. Now, this, of course, is my own personal opinion. So, 
they are, in my estimation, an excellent singles band, and I love Blondie. And the reason why I'm, I keep saying this is to just to get it ingrained in people's heads, because we're going to spend the next hour, I'm going to spend the next hour bagging on Blondie. <laughs> I, I had a feeling I, that was coming. <laughs> I hate to say it, um, but yeah. this is, you know, going back this last week, just going back and listening to, well, I didn't even listen to all of their stuff, but listening to the, the stuff up until 1986. Um, hmm. Yeah, I... I don't know that there is a band that we're going to talk about this entire show that I am more ambivalent about than Blondie. Because well, when I love them, I, I, I love this... them, and when I hate them, I, I really kind of yeah. hate them. <laughs> so yeah. So there so, we go. So That's you, the caveat. You know, that I I appreciate that, and I actually can relate to that a little bit. Now you know me, I and you know that I am a, a Blondie fan. Yeah. I mean, you're 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 aware of yep. that. I mean, I've talked about them for years. This is the first time that I have really gone and listened to all of Blondie's albums back to back, and I really know where you're coming from. <laughs> so, and I'm a fan. I mean, I'm a fan. I love Blondie. I do. Um, and, and I think that that it's important to know that. When Blondie was good, they were really good. And when they were bad, it was because they just were phoning it in, you know? Um, yeah, you know, uh, so there's this documentary I've mentioned before. Um, the It's called The Punk Revolution NYC, The Velvet Underground, The New York Dolls, and The CBGB Set. I, I oh, saw yeah. it on Amazon Prime. I'm sure it's available in uh, other places. Um, so they spend a lot of time in this documentary talking about the whole CBGB um, uh, scene. And they talk about Blondie a lot because Blondie was the first band to, you know, really break out of that scene to get commercial success. Um, right. And the one thing that kept coming over, because there was a lot of interviews from various musicians that were part of that scene, the one thing that kept coming up again and again were Blondie were terrible musicians. Like even an original member of Blondie said, we were terrible <laughs> musicians. We were really not very good. And so, and they were considered um, sort of the, you know, class clown slash village idiots of that scene. They were, and, they were a novelty. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And yeah. so everyone was so surprised when, you know, when they were the first to break through because because of their uncanny ability to to craft a perfect single. Now, now, now saying that... Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I've heard band members in Blondie say that, yeah, they they weren't yep. good musicians. Yep. Um, that they they learned to play yep. while they were playing at CBGBs. In fact, uh, you know, I heard other people mention that that was the sort of thing that happened at CBGBs. There were a lot of bands that were just crap musicians, and they were given a, pl a place to play by 
by the owner, uh, Hilly Crystal, they were given this place to play so that they could learn to play. And I think for the most part, people didn't give a shit whether they knew how to play an instrument or could play well. So when I started hearing about this idea that, that Blondie really weren't that good of musicians in the beginning, and I, I really don't care for their, their first two albums that much, um, mm. I got to thinking, well, is that the reason why I don't care for them? And it's not like there's anything obvious in the recordings. It's not like they're off-tempo or out of tune or anything, right. anything like that. But, but, I, but the songs just aren't that engaging to me. And so maybe it's because they weren't a really tight band in the beginning. I don't, I don't know. But this is something that came up again and again in my... Um, in the in the reach research of the last week is this idea that that Blondie weren't weren't very good musicians and everyone was astonished when they were the first to break. So yeah. <laughs> I got you there. That's okay, so sure. Rob, before we jump into um, the rundown of the albums, let's just rank uh -huh. the albums as far as uh, which are our favorite. And just okay. go down the list. Now I'm going sure. to um, I'm only going to do up to 1986 and The Hunter because I'm really not familiar with any of the stuff that they did once they got back together. I, th I think their next the album was 1999, which I'm just not that mm -hmm. familiar with. Um, yeah. So, and my suspicion is that. Um, our rankings are going to be pretty similar, but I think you might be right. So, uh, number one favorite album is um, Parallel Lines, and then Eat the Beat, and then Auto American, and then number four is um, Plastic Letters. Number five is Blondie, and down at the very bottom is The Hunter. <laughs> well, I, I want to say that you and I like Blondie for two very different reasons. Okay. Um, and and so I am a big fan of that first album. Oh, uh-huh. Um, yeah, Ripper to Shreds is my all-time favorite Blondie song. Um, I just love... I love the roughness of it. I mean, you could tell it's their first album, but I think that that's really cool about it. So let me go ahead and rank okay. these. And, you know, we're not too far apart, and we even get it right sometimes <laughs> as far as deciding. But let me – in fact, I'm going to take it a little further than you because I have a little bit more experience with the later albums, not a whole lot. But I, I have come to actually like those as well. Okay. Um, I just don't know them that well. So my number one favorite album is Blondie. My number two is Parallel Lines. My number three is Eat to the Beat. My number four is Plastic Letters, much like yourself. My number five is Auto American. Number six is their 1999 album, No Exit. And it was a whole different sound. And I was totally stoked about it. So um, my number seven would be, uh, would be the... Uh, uh, Panic of Girls. My number eight is their 2003 The Curse of Blondie. My number nine is Pollinator, their latest 2017 album. Uh, my number 10, Ghost of Download. And uh, number 11, excuse me, there's no number 11. Number 50 is their 1982 album, The Hunter. So yeah. <laughs> they only have 11 albums, but that's number 50. That's how much I 
dislike that album. Okay, so let's talk just a tiny bit um, about the history of Blondie. They first yeah. uh, originated in, um, in 1974. Um, they have, over the years, have had many, many band members, um, but the three three founding band members that stayed throughout the history of the band who play on every single album are Deborah Harry, Chris Stein, and Clem Burke. Um, and do you know the what the original name of Blondie was before they changed uh, to Blondie? Yeah, actually. I think it was Angel and the Snake. Angel and the Snake. Yeah. Angel and the Snake. Well. Which came from a, they were, came from a, a nickname. I, yeah. Well, they, they were very wise to change it. Um, <laughs> yeah, they were. <laughs> um, and their first success was in Australia, and they were always bigger in the UK than they were in the US. Uh-huh. And, um, That's absolutely correct. Yep, yeah, and their first, um, their first success in Australia was um, In the Flesh, which was the B-side for X Offender, um, which was accidentally played on Australian radio and really took off. <laughs> so that's the quick little 30-second history of um, Blondie up until the, the first recording comes yeah. out. So let's just yeah. dive into it, shall we? Okay, yeah. So the first Blondie album is just called Blondie. It was released right. um, 1976 in um, November. The three singles were Ex Offender, In the Flesh, and Rip Her to Shreds. Didn't do anything in the U.S. Um, and was mostly um, popular in Australia. Yeah. And... The the song we're gonna listen to off off of that album is called Rifle Range. Yeah, that, that is probably my favorite song off that album too. But but I, I, I gotta tell you, here is my note for that for that album. Is like most of the songs, when I start listening to them, you know, they sound great until the uh -huh. verse starts and the vocals start. And that sounds <laughs> like a dig on Deborah Harry, and it's absolutely not because her her voice is great. I've always liked her voice. But it's got an just amazing voice, yeah. It's the songwriting is so basic and so derivative, you know, particularly of the, the 60s girl stuff, which they were really into mm -hmm. then, that it just doesn't, it's just not very interesting to me. So my, my speculation is they, 
you know, they weren't really strong at the at the songwriting. They wrote the songs, and then in the in you know the the lead up to the verse and the and the instrumentation, they could could get you know they had some elbow room to get creative and do right. some interesting things. So it's like right. when I sat down and listened to this album for the first time and. I don't know, 25 years, 20 or 25 years, mm-hmm. sat down and like each song was like, oh yeah, this is really cool. And then it gets into the verse and it just becomes completely predictable to me. And I go, oh. Yeah. But Rifle Range, I do like. Um, yeah. And Rip Her to Shreds, I do like. In the Flesh is, is pretty good. Ex Offender never did much to me, even though it was their very first right. single. So. Right. Well, rifle, rifle range. Um, I think, like I, I mentioned, I, I feel like the music, the the guitar bits are really strong, and uh, they have this like really cool spaghetti western sound to them. The the lyrics, you know, at some point they just get to be like you said. They get, you know, they're not. They Debbie Harry was uh, a really bright woman she she still is i mean she's highly intelligent she wasn't writing this right wasn't writing the lyrics <laughs> so, well um, um she she is actually um a bit notorious for and this is this is true of a lot of of musicians but she she had a reputation for not finishing the lyrics until they were in the studio and they were about to record oh, yeah. and she would sit down and like you know, scribble some stuff out, out, and sometimes it sounds, you know, it sounds exactly like what it was, something that was <laughs> thrown together at the last minute. But, you know, Bono does that, did that a lot too. So that's not yeah. necessarily a bad thing. But, you know, and on rifle range, I would say that the the lyrics are a little juvenile. You know, they're fun, but yeah. they're a little juvenile mm-hmm. in the spirit of of you know underground punk okay let's move on to plastic letters which was released in 1978 um their their only real hit which wasn't a big hit was i'm always touched by your presence dear um oh yeah and um I don't know that I have much to say about this album. I like the songs um, No Imagination and Cautious Lips. I I think they're kind of interesting. Uh, yeah, I felt like with Plastic Letters, Blondie was kind of stepping away from their 1950s rockabilly, rockabilly vibe, which is kind of what they were into when they first started Blondie. Um, you know, and so they, they kind of stepped more into... The pop sound, I think, that they were reaching for. And, you know, just to clarify, they never felt they were a punk band. Uh, even Debbie Harry herself, Debra Harry herself said, we're, we're a, a pop band, not a punk band. But this is where they got put, so this is how it worked out. Um, but, you know. Well, I, I really do like um, the, the two songs that we're going to feature tonight um, from this album. So let's jump into the first one. This is my pick, um, Youth Nabbed as a Sniper. Sundown finds him out of town On the overpass He's in a cell Blue to his 22 Dirty 
Okay, tell us about your pick for this album. My pick is Detroit 442. And when I first heard this song, I was thinking, man, this is really cool. There's like this deep guttural growl coming from her. Um, she, it sounded wicked. I wasn't quite sure what she was going for, but I really enjoyed it. The, the song itself kind of reminded me of, uh, I don't know, something Iggy Pop would have, you know, would have done. Uh, I don't know, kind of felt like Lust for Life or something like that. And as it turns out, there's uh, a lyric in in the song uh, where she says uh, feel feel hot to go like jimmy o and jimmy o is actually iggy pop so i found that pretty interesting but detroit 442 it's a song about a car Okay, any last thoughts about Plastic Letters before we move on to their breakthrough album? Um, no, well, no, not really. I'm looking forward to this next one. Yeah, yeah. 1978, Blondie releases Parallel Lines. This is a monster album. It's got Hanging on the Telephone, One Way or Another, Sunday's Girl, and Heart of Glass. Yeah. All which were very successful. Um, this, was, this was their first album to really break in the United States. Even though they're a U.S. band, they were much bigger in um, the U.K. and Australia. Yeah. And really not you know not very well known at all here in the states until this album it is number 12 of rolling stone's highest rated new wave albums of all time heart of glass is rolling stone's uh 255th greatest song of all time one way or one way or another is Rolling Stone's 298th greatest song of all time. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So this album was produced by Mike Chapman, um, an Englishman who is um, most famous for producing, well, besides the work that he did with Blondie, for producing um, Tony Basil's Mickey. Oh, yeah, yeah. And um, and the next My Sharona, but he also worked with Huey Lewis in the News and Tina Turner, and you know just the whole gamut for nice. starting in the mid '60s all the way through the '80s. He knew, um, knew how to make a hit album, apparently. Well, yeah. So he, he my three favorite albums of Blondie were the three that he produced. Uh -huh. And he he is quoted as saying that Blondie is are the were the worst musicians he ever worked with. And he he said that he kind of taught them how to be good musicians. Well, well 
<laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, that may or may not be true, um, or probably is on a certain level, but, you know, according to him, he would take each musician and, and uh, kick everyone else out of the studio and just sit down with them and and go over their parts until they got it real tight. Do it until and, it was uh, right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, as far as I'm concerned, the proof is in the pudding because the difference between the the last album and this album, Night and Day. Totally, yeah. Both of us pick a song to feature off of each album, mm-hmm. and I am not surprised that we both picked originally. I My pick was... I know, but I don't know. No, yeah. I'm not surprised that we both picked it because this song has some big oingo boingo energy. It does totally. Which, that's that's so true. Which <laughs> is unfair to say because this song actually came out long before any oingo boingo right. release. Yeah. So, so to say that implies that they're, you know, they're taking a cue from oingo boingo. And it would be interesting to, to, you know, to find out yeah. if o- anyone in Oingo Boingo was influenced by this song because, man, it is, it is pretty Oingo Boingo sounding. So let's, yeah. If I could just say that the yeah. the reason I like this song so much is because it felt refreshing compared to all the other stuff. Deborah, yeah. Deborah Harry is flexing those vocal muscles, trying to get the right sound, or just playing with the sound, kind of like Danny Elfman always did. The um, arrangement and just the sound yeah. that they get from, from their instruments, so good. So yeah. let's listen to that right now. did a lot more songs in that vein uh-huh. it would be a whole different story for me I, think, I love love I love right. that song i you know yeah. one of the things i love we, we talked about the earlier albums what i like about the the earlier albums is it, it felt like what you call diy punk um yeah. you know where it's just that raw you go in you don't have to play you don't have to sing you just make noise and people love it um i felt like i know but i don't know was the most unlike any other song on parallel lines you know and mm-hmm. and to me that's why i liked it because i felt like they were just brave and bold and went in and were, not that they weren't playing well but they were like this is what we're gonna do we don't give a crap about what the rest of the album sounds like and and so it was just really refreshing to me yeah but it is it is still really polished yeah. production it is it's just the energy level and the arrangement is you know it's way up there it's got this edge to it so it's not like the scruffy diy right sound they're right. really tight 
on it. They, you know, the, just the choices that they made give it that edge. Yeah. So the other song we're going to listen to, which is the other song off this album that is not um, one of their singles that I love, is Will Anything Happen? I said you would make it. Will Anything Happen was actually trying to move towards a new wave sound, and it might even be passing, but um, not my favorite song. Not my favorite song. I, I did find it interesting, though. I, I did like it. Um, another thing that I wanted to add was, you know, just a side note, one way or another, by the way, was uh, covered by a young uh, boy band, uh, One Direction. <laughs> <laughs> I did not know that. <laughs> my my uh, my daughter actually was a fan of One Direction, and that's how I know that. <laughs> uh-huh. So, so which version do you like better, Rob? Oh, you you know, it, you know which version. <laughs> it's Blondie all the way, man. <laughs> okay, 1979 sees the release of Eat to the Beat. Now this was. The um, the first album to have every song made into a music video. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. It, um, in my notes here, it says featuring a music video for each of the album's 12 songs. It was the first such project in rock music. So here are my sort of notes on this album. Uh-huh. It's got a slick production. The yeah. songs are solid, but a little bland. Um, it's like good party background music, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It like sounds good in the background, but when you sit down and really listen to it, it's not, it didn't really hold my attention so much. Um, my favorite song is Victor because it's so oh, yeah. scruffy and it energetic. Is. But I didn't choose that song because it is so different than everything else. I thought it would be a little misleading um, because that song, it is not polished. It's, you know, it kind of sounds like the band just went in and just did a take. And the energy level was so high they kept it. And it was really, to me, it was really refreshing after listening to all of these these very um, kind of tempered, nice, slick, polished songs. Yeah, um, I I actually I, I like this album quite a bit. I think I might have even liked it a little bit better than you, but but it uh, I don't know. I, I felt like this was kind of a a little more of a move towards the pop disco sound. Um, and, and it was, you know, it was a party, it was a, a party dance album. Um, I have to say though, that with, with the exception of Union City Blues, 
Um, and Shayla, which I think was a bigger song on the album, um, you know, they're taking it back to like the New Jersey, you know, kind of back to the taking it back home where they sing about a factory worker and then there's Union City Blues. But Union City Blues to me was just kind of a it was a, a kind of a slow, sad sounding. Um, I don't know. Didn't do much for me. But, you know, the rest of the album, I think I liked a lot. So your pick off this album is the title cut, Eat to the Beat? Eat to the Beat. I felt it was uh, totally different from the rest of the album. Actually, now that you mention it, though, Victor was even past that. Uh, <laughs> I felt like Eat to the Beat was probably the most punk rock song on the album. Um, and uh, I, don't, I don't know. I just, I really dig it. You gotta jump up, let's see the beat up, let's Well, you know, the 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 more I listen to that song, the more I'm kind of warming up to it. Mm -hmm. I've I've spent since you picked it, I've been listening to this playlist kind of nonstop throughout the day. Right. Um, and I'm I'm I, liking it more than I did uh, earlier this week. My pick for this album is um, "Die Young, Stay Pretty." By the way, which uh, happens to be my second favorite song on this album. Yeah, it's just, it's got a, um, so usually when I love Blondie, it's because of their sound, not so much the songwriting as far as the construction of, mm -hmm. of, the, of the, the melody and the chord progression. But this one is pretty interesting and kind of kind of pulled me in, even though the sound is a little tempered for my taste. Now, didn't, um, uh, didn't it have like a little bit of a ska flavor in there? Did you, you kind of get any ska maybe out of that? No, not really. You don't think they were leaning towards it? I don't know. I'll have to go. Oh, well, let's listen to it and ask me again in a couple of minutes. All right.
it's not scum. I mean, it's sort of like madness. Yeah. You know, that <laughs> yeah. flavor. It's yeah. not really ska. Right. Um, maybe ska slowed down mm-hmm. um, half speed or, or something. But I... I get where you're going it, on that. You know, if I can add in this, uh, this song, by the way, uh, Die Young and Stay Die, Die Young and Stay Pretty, um, Deborah Harry's voice is like mother's milk to me. I mean, I just, I could listen to her all day long. Yeah, yeah. In fact, I have. <laughs> okay, any last thoughts about each of the beats? Um... No, I mean, they, there's some, like you said, there's some, you know, kind of a beat, dancey, you know, party party album. It's a party album. There's some dance songs in there. Atomic yep. was a really good, I think Atomic was a really good song. Um, you know, but it also also had some snorters on there, too. So, yep. but each yep. the beat. It's a good one. So the um, next release is... Um, 1980s auto-american but between those the um they release um a song off of the soundtrack uh, american gigolo called call me which is a monster hit oh yeah and one of my very favorite blondie songs just wanted to note that and then in 1980 at the end of 1980 Auto American was released. Um, the hit singles are Tide is High and Rapture. And we got to talk about Rapture. <laughs> yeah, we do. We absolutely do. Um, before we do, can I ask you something? So Call Me oh, came first. out uh, before uh, Auto American um, because it was on the soundtrack. Uh, now, was yeah. that... That song was originally on Auto American, wasn't it? Or is it just no. I've got I've got a, a later release that has Call Me on it, so I think that must be what no, it is. No, no, it wasn't. In fact, um, and gosh, I'm I'm just uh, doing this off the top of my head. I hope I have my my facts correct. But there was um, another song. Off of, so each of the beat, Dreaming and Atomic, were the two singles, and uh-huh. both of them uh, got a fair amount of airplay. And then they had a third one. I can't remember what the what the song was they were about to release, and then that the 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 song from American Gigolo, Call Me. Uh-huh came out and just blew everything out of the water. Yeah. I, so I that, that to... just sort of, it, it actually probably did a little bit of damage to um, Eat to the Beat sales because it the record just, uh, the, the label just sort of dropped that album and really focused on the single. Yeah. They, their albums were pretty close together too. I had heard that they yeah. had, uh, they in their contract, they were supposed to come out with three albums a year, and they never did meet well, that. They never did meet that. They so, never did that. Yeah. Well, they had, they had in 1978, they had two albums. Uh huh. Um, but by the time, um, they and they were pretty much doing one a year mm-hmm. up to Auto American in 1980. So, as I mentioned before, the, the hit singles were Tide or High and Rapture. Right. And let's talk about Rapture. 
Oh boy, there's a lot to talk about. Let's talk about Rapture. First of all, it has one of the greatest bass grooves ever, yeah, as far true. as I'm concerned. I mean, that song is that bass line. Yeah, if it absolutely. was a crappy bass line, it would be a crappy song. My personal humble opinion. <laughs> yeah. Um, and the rap is so goofy, it, it, but but yet it's kind of works somehow. Well, I, I somehow think too it works. Blondie was actually trying to be a little bit goofy in this. Um, okay. You know. <laughs> well, I hope so. They felt like a novelty band, and they even kind of laughed at themselves. They didn't really always well, yeah. take themselves too seriously. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. if you if you listen to the song. Um, as far as the rap, I know, there's a lot of con controversy around this being the first rap song to get to get number one. Um, yep. And because it's Te technically true, it, it technically it's true. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Um, yep. But if I could just mention the music video, like they had a video for this song, and it cameoed some really big names. Um, you know, the uh, man from Mars, William Barnes, was in it, and he choreographed the dance moves. He actually danced all through it, and his name is dropped in the song a couple times. Um, uh, Jean-Michael ba Basquiat, the painter, was actually in the music video, painting graffiti on the wall in the background. Um, and, uh, you know, who, who else? There, was, there were other people in it. Oh, uh, Fab Five Freddy, who... He, not not only is his name dropped in that, but you know Deb, Deborah Harry walks up to him while he's at the uh, at the deck, and she kind of you know she kind of gives him a little sass. Um, it, they were doing a lot in this and doing a lot with people in the industry as far as you know naming names and kind of kind of playing around with it. So we were talking a little bit ago about Deborah Harry's um, tendency to write the lyrics last minute, and yeah. I hope that the rap for rapture she wrote at the very last minute i hope that that's her, her excuse i am not bagging on these lyrics i love these lyrics when i was a kid yeah. this song would come on and let's just see how far i can go with the lyrics just off the top of my head from when i was a kid mm -hmm. Get in your car, drive real far. You drive all night and you see a light. Comes right down and it lands on the ground. And out comes the man from Mars. Try to run, but he's got a gun. He shoots you dead and he eats your head. Now you're in the mountain, man from Mars. You go out at night, eat up cars. You eat Cadillacs and Subarus. Mercury, no, Cadillacs and something too. Da -da -da, and Subarus. You don't stop. You keep on eating cars. Then when there's no more cars, you go out at night and eat up bars where the people meet. Dancing cheek to cheek, something. And that's where I kind of get I, lost. I, I have, I have to say that, <laughs> that. That's from that's from my nine-year-old yeah, self. You, you weren't spot on. You were not spot on, but you were no. damn close. And uh, <laughs> I... I enjoyed that. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Let's take a listen to it with that kick-ass bass line. Yeah. Five, Freddy told me everybody slide. DJ spinning. I said, my, my. Flash is fast. Flash is cool. Francois, c'est pas. Flash ain't no do. And you don't stop. Sure shot. Go out to the parking lot. And you get in your car and drive real far. And you drive all night. And then you see a light. And it comes right down and lands on the ground. And out comes a man from Mars. And you try to run. Dead. 
Mars, you go out at night Eating cars, you eat Cadillacs Lincolns too, Mercury's and Subaru And you don't stop, you keep on eating cars Then when there's no more cars You go out at night and eat up bars Where the people meet Face to face, dance cheek to cheek One to one, man to man so that was your choice mm-hmm. for this album. Mm-hmm. Um, my pick is Do the Dark, which I think oh, is yeah. kind of interesting. Incidentally, um, <clears throat> the Tight as I, Rapture, and Do the Dark really are the only three songs that I care for on this album. Uh-huh. This album is so spastic. I mean, they're all, <laughs> all of their albums are kind of all over the place, but this is all over the place, all over the place. Yeah. I, I just like. Uh, uh, it's it's too much for me. It's just uh, just too much for me. <laughs> so while I recover from just thinking about how it's too much for me, let's listen to "Do the Dark." Commercially, Blondie Peaks. Yeah. It's all downhill from here. <laughs> yeah. They, um, two years later, they released The Hunter. Mm-hmm. Okay. I just, the only thing I'm going to say about The Hunter is what I wrote down because I'm just going to read you my notes as I was listening to it <laughs> for the first time in 20 years. This album is somehow simultaneously both bland and bombastic. It's bloated. It's ahead of its time in a bad late 80s new wave overproduced over the hills sort of way. Mm-hmm. Is this really Blondie? That's it. Well, That's all I have to say about I, this album. <laughs> I have a little bit more to say about it. Okay. Um, and oh, I just want to point out, this yeah. is 1982, yeah, so right. they're ahead of their time in the sense that they're making bad 1989 <laughs> new wave right. music right. in 1982, so yeah. good for them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, <laughs> innovators. Um, <laughs> so The Hunter uh, from 1982, I mean, you look at the cover of this album, and Here's another place where they were innovative, okay? It looked like a really bad Motley Crue cover, you know, with the big hair and... uh uh, which again, Motley Crue hasn't even done it yet, you know. <laughs> so, but Deborah Harry's hair was so big in the picture on the cover that the rest of the band stood like three feet away from her, and just trying to get as close as they can so that they could fit into the picture. Um, 
Yeah, and and using the word hair is misleading because yeah, it's, it's not her hair. Not her hair. Yeah, obviously not. That's <laughs> it's not her hair. <laughs> that's um, a whole wig factory of wigs. Yes, yes. Um, this just was a really bad, really hollow album, and and it was hollow because I think it was a point where they were just phoning it in. They. They were really falling apart as a band. Um, their last album, everybody had these these ego, this ego about them, and they felt like you know each individual member of the band felt like they were the most important member of the band. Um, and then by the time Hunter came around, they they couldn't even stand looking at each other. Um, you know, drugs were a factor, uh, relationships were a factor. It was just the whole, it was just a mess. So yeah. they really didn't give a crap about about putting together a good album anymore. Well, um, that's all speculation. We just want to, <laughs> to specify. I guess we're, we're not just, saying yeah. that fact. That's you know, just speculation. De um, Deborah, Harry, and Chris I'm, I'm Stein sure are listening to this. To I want them to know that I love them. It's it's yeah. really. <laughs> uh, one one song of note is the song "For Your Eyes Only," which. Yes. Um, which was written for the James Bond film. The producers approached Blondie and asked right. them to write the theme song. They wrote this song. The producers didn't care for it. They, the producers got the For Your Eyes Only that actually appeared in the film and asked them to do that, and Blondie passed on it. Yeah. And so Sheena Easton, Easton did it and had a big hit. And... Um, <clears throat> This this song is kind of interesting. There's a good song in there, but it's funny for a band that has such a, a long history of really well-produced songs. Mm -hmm. This song is um it's a mess. Yeah. You know, the the you know, the song where that really needed the slick production is I, I'm not sure what happened. They Oh, it's important to note that The Hunter was not produced by Mike Chapman. So Mike Chapman at that point, went they went separate ways. Um, and I don't know if that contributes to um, yeah. you know, the, just sort of what a mess this album is as well. I think, I think Mike also felt by the time, you know, he, he, I mean, he, he went his separate ways because I think he also felt like the band was crumbling apart. I've, I've heard mm. several interviews with him on the whole thing. But. Yeah, yeah. All right, so your pick, I didn't pick a, a song I, off of this album. I noticed you, you intentionally left this album out. <laughs> yeah, I, um, I just, I thought it would be disingenuous for me to, to pick a song because there there is not, not anything on here that I can get excited yeah. about. Well, like I mentioned before, I find um, Friar is only mildly interesting as an oddity. Mm -hmm. um, but you picked Little Caesar. And, and, and I kind of picked Little Caesar for that same reason. Um, I felt like this album had... Uh, well, first of all, I love the sound of Little Caesar. Um, the Hunter had no cohesion, no tying thread, um, and Little Caesar kind of kind of 
kind of proves it. You know, <laughs> it just it's like the center point for all this stuff that just doesn't fit together. Um, but I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the sound of this. This is the only song. Well, for your eyes only, I liked, but only mildly. So here's Little Caesar. My name is Little Caesar. My friends call me LC. My daddy's name the same and passed it on to me. Let's move on. And can we just can we just kind of power through the rest yeah. of the Blondie stuff? Because they they break up after the Hunter is a combination of a lot of different things. Mm -hmm. There were drug issues, um, health issues. Uh, yeah, that's right. Um, Chris had a um, life-threatening um, illness. Pemphigus, Pemphigus vulgaris. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and. Um, Deborah Harry went on to um, uh, continue with a mildly successful solo career. She put out quite a few albums, um, none of which I, I'm really that familiar with. I tried um, listening to her first album, Cuckoo, Cuckoo. I think it's called. Yeah. And um, it was fine but there was nothing in there that that appealed to me um i think she's at least here in the united states she's most famous for french kissing in the usa which even as a kid i knew was a doofy doofy song <laughs> yeah um and um in 1999 Blondie gets back together. They release No Exit. They had a um, pretty big hit in the UK with Maria. Right. Um, yeah, what 17, about 17 years after they were on the charts, they brought Maria in, and it was also yeah. number one on the UK charts. Yeah. Um, I can't speak about these next three albums because I, I've only heard each one of them maybe once. You know, I think yeah. I was curious when they first came out. I listened to them and wasn't interested. Neither, neither three of them are on Spotify, and I wasn't really motivated to actually plunk down money for them. So mm -hmm. I can't speak to them at all. But um, what is your favorite song off of No Exit? Well, I really... Uh I, I like No Exit. I think No Exit gets kind of a, a bad rap, uh, no pun intended, a bad rap to, uh, you know, it, it coming back 1999, say from 1982, I think that there's a lot that, that you can excuse, but not that you should necessarily. I, I do feel it's a, a fairly decent album, though. Uh, mm -hmm. No Exit is my favorite song on the album. Here okay. is a song where they kind of go back to the like the familiar rap of rapture right um okay and i, and I, I know ill-advised yes it is <laughs> it is um but i feel like in this song blondie's gone dark a little bit the the mm -hmm. lyrics are a bit schlocky but uh but the sound 
just the arrangement and the sound of it all, I really enjoyed. So if you get a chance to um, listen to the album No Exit, uh, seek out the title track yeah. as recommended by Rob. We're not going to um, sample it today because we're just going to power through the rest of them. Yeah. Uh, 2003, Curse of Blondie. Yeah. Curse of Blondie. Again, um, I think it was... Uh, I think it was an interesting album. This is, they're starting this. I mean, Blondie is actually evolving with the times a bit. This is actually starting to sound like a 2000s rock album. Um, mm -hmm. Shakedown I, is, my, is my favorite song on this album. And I have to say, it's still kind of funny. They're still doing the whole schlocky novelty band thing. In um, 2006, Blondie is inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Yeah. So that's something that should be noted. That is that is a big thing. Uh, 2011 um, sees the release of Panic of Girls. And then in 2017, their most recent album was released called Pollinator. Um, and we will listen to a song off that because this is a this is a solid little album. I would if if you played this album for me and and said who is this I would never guess Blondie. I, I agree it with would you. Never never occur to me to say Blondie. It, it 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 all sounds fine. Would you agree that it's up to date? Like the sound is up to date. Well, um, yeah, kind of. I mean, that's hard to say nowadays because everything's so scattered yeah, you know okay. the, the styles are are just all over the place yeah so if if you told me that this was a band of young teenagers that just formed i would be skeptical uh -huh. but you know it doesn't they they don't embarrass themselves Not i at think all. it's it's just fine and um the song fun which we're going to hear today is um it's a nice little song yeah. So let's take a gander at that now. You're all over me, can't deny it. And you make the room come alive. You know the problem with you, you're too good to be true. You're my heart, I can't get enough. Hey, you are is Blondie, 1976 to 2017, a total of 11 albums. Um, and of course, Deborah Harry had a number of solo albums as well. You know, Rob, before we go, yeah. I just feel like, I mentioned this at the, the top of the show, I feel like 
the, the deep dive segment because we're doing deep cuts, this format really does a disservice to Blondie because they're such a strong singles band. Mm -hmm. So let's go out on a little medley. I'm going to just take every one of their big hits chronologically yeah. and just kind of, you know, play 10 or 15 seconds of each song, blend them together just to remind everybody um, like how good Blondie were when yeah. they were good. I mean, we might have bagged they, on they, them. We might have bagged on them a little bit, but they definitely deserve the applause. I mean, they're they were they were you, good. You you were actually very reserved. I um, it was hard. I was the one who <laughs> who went off, and I I apologize to Blondie who their their contribution to new wave music particularly mm -hmm. on the radio cannot be over exaggerated right or absolutely. underestimated absolutely um, so i i wouldn't consider a, a new wave mix legitimate without just about every one of these songs um that we're about to go out on yeah yeah um yeah before we uh, before we go out on that medley, shall I uh, shall we uh, uh, maybe push our Facebook page and some social media so that people know we're out there? Absolutely. Hey, everybody, we have a Facebook page. Go to it. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> or even e email us at deepdives.deepcuts at gmail.com. Anyway. Yeah, we would we would love to hear what you um, think about Blondie. Obviously, you disagree with um, one or many of the things that we said about Blondie. Yeah. You are free to disagree, but please do it in a civil way because we're all friends here. That's right. Let's hear it, man. This was a lot of fun. Good night, everyone. Good night, everyone.